Today we're going to talk about two important types of goals, why you could be selling yourself short by setting your goals too low, and how to get to the bottom of issues when things go wrong. You're listening to Proving Grounds. Where you're at right now in life probably isn't where you ultimately want to end up. If it is, congratulations. You made it. You're done. That's it. Man, must be nice. For the rest of us, there's still aspirations that we have in mind that we're trying to reach. People are driven by a feeling of progression. It's one of the most powerful motivators to look at yourself and realize that you're better today than you were yesterday and that the trend is going to continue on tomorrow. But if progression is the upward trend towards something better, what exactly are you progressing towards? Without a destination to focus on, you may progress for such amount of time that one day you look around at where you are and come to the realization that you have no idea where you are. And you've actually been wandering quite aimlessly for some time now. If you don't know where the peak of the mountain is, or even that you're on a mountain to begin with, how are you supposed to even begin to climb it? Or more importantly, what tools do you need to bring with you to ensure that you summit successfully? Those peaks and mountains are the goals that you have in your life. And today we're going to talk about some of the best ways to make sure that you're structuring your goals in life in a way that's going to give you the most value from them. If you're setting your goals way too low, and it's very common to do that, you're leaving a large portion of what you're capable of accomplishing on the table. Or you're going to end up growing far slower than you want to. But first, it's important to make the distinction between personal goals and functional goals because there's absolutely a drastic difference between how you go about setting the targets and measuring the progress between the two. So personal goals. For this conversation, let's think of these as visionary goals. They're the overarching structure by which everything else is driven. And I know that's a bit of an extraction, and I hope that we can bring that into a little bit more clarity as we break it down. But you'll see them more like the the whys that produce the what's of your goal holistically. And then there's functional goals. These are the concise and measurable and attainable goals that are the building blocks for reaching your overarching goals. If the personal or visionary goals are the war, the functional goals are the battles. So let's take our deep dive into the personal and visionary goals first, since they truly have more control on the overall trajectory that you take in life. And there's a wider tolerance for the methods that you can employ to get there. Even how success is defined is different for those more goals. It's more flexible. Think of life like archery. If you set your target 30 yards in front of you, your chances of hitting it consistently are much higher than if you set your target 300 yards away. Now, that makes sense at a cursory level of analysis, but let's take a step back from that and let's try to see if we can apply it to the bigger picture instead. What I think is more relevant to how life works is if the rules of this archery game were every time you shoot, you take the next shot from where your arrow landed. Now, even if you're hitting your your 30-yard target every single time, it's going to take you 10 times to make it to your goal of 300 yards. And the real time waster in all of that is the time that it takes to remove your arrow from the target, re-knock it to your bowstring, collect yourself, take aim again, and fire. This time, if you had just aimed at the 300-yard target from the starting line, you'd make it there in a few shots. And who knows? You might even get lucky and hit the target on your first try. And the interesting thing about it is, the line that's 30 yards away, or the, 
the line that the 30-yard shots took, if you were to take a line and draw it out and look at it from above, it's the exact same line that the 300 target took. This is a good analogy for how we sometimes set our aim too low. You can find yourself stuck in thinking about the immediate instead of stepping back and taking a harder look at the overall strategy and identifying the highest possible target that you should be shooting at. Let's try and let's try and turn the metaphor into something tangible and use a real-world example that would relate to your career. So let's make a fictional character and call him let's call him Jim. Now, Jim works in the manufacturing industry, and he's at a relatively entry-level position, but he's got some determination. He's pretty bright, too. So he set his goal on becoming the regional operations manager. Seems like a common goal, realistic one, too, but why select that as a target? Let's say that all of those things go according to plan for Jim, and he's reached his goal, and now he's the regional operations manager. Well, now he has to. Now he has a bit of a problem because he's arrived at his destination, and what's he going to do now? Well, he thinks about it. He examines his options. He resets his goal on the national ops director, and he starts the process all over again. Now, it seems like Jim was pretty successful in this example, but is there a better way? Let's look at an alternative approach. Let's say that instead of setting his goal at regional operations manager, he takes a step back and decides, you know what? How about I set my goal at becoming the COO of the company? It seems like a, like a pretty lofty goal, and I bet if you were to tell any of his buddies on the shop floor, floor, they'd probably laugh off the thought of it. But let's think about the actions that you would take if that was your goal instead. The things that he would set out to learn would be at the level of, if I were the COO, what are the components of my job? Well, okay, there's the strategic elements, the key performance indicators for operations as a whole, the delivery methods, the leadership and the talent management method, methods, the, the lean process, and the list goes on. But now Jim's focusing his time in development to learning those concepts, and he's laying the foundation for the perspectives of knowledge at a higher level and thinking backwards through the process and laying his foundations and perspective of knowledge at a higher level. And thinking backwards through the process, he becomes more in tune with the importance of each layer of the operations team and how each layer successively supports the foundation of the organization as a whole. And most importantly, from that perspective, he understands how his current position relates to the bigger picture. Once he starts to act on that knowledge, his trajectory for progression is going to be pointed in the direction of what? Most likely along the lines of the regional operations manager, except now once he gets there, he already has the foundation that's required and the direction planned out for the next step higher. And now with a new sphere of influence, right out of the gate, he's able to provide value for the perspective of the overall strategy. That perception of you is built slowly and surely, but five years down the road, when the COO is starting to think about retiring, who do you think is going to be in the back of his mind for who he wants to continue his strategy? You see, the, you see, setting his aim at the COO position pulled all of the other sub-goals into the alignment of that trajectory. And you have the momentum to continue through each of these goals more effortlessly since you're not stopping to re-knock your bow every 10 feet. The underlying principle is that you're setting the right foundation for yourself as early as possible so that you're not spinning your gears later down the road trying to figure those things out. You're building experience thinking about things at a deeper level of analysis, all while 
growing your career naturally. So when the day comes that you're required to make that level of thinking count, you already have years of experience to some degree, and your chances of success are going to be a lot higher. And just because you're setting your goal at the COO position, just like you may not hit the 300-yard target, doesn't mean you're going to get it right away. Things like this in life are creating a foundation of value that you can provide in life to increase the odds of your achieving better things. You may have set your goal at COO and 10 years down the road, some exciting forks in the road may have ended you up as the chief marketing officer in a biotech company. The fundamental principle remains the same, that there's commonalities in thinking at a different level of strategy from an earlier point that can apply to any position that requires you to think strategically. Now, remember that we're still talking about personal and visionary goals right now because this this method does not work well for every type of goal. I'm going to get to the reasons for that in a little bit, but how can we apply this concept to be useful in other areas of our life? It's It's plainly useful for our career, as we just illustrated, but I don't think that you need to think of your personal goal as being one overarching goal that everything and anything in your life's aligned to, which, by the way, it's great. That'd be a great thing to have, but there's a variety of things in your life that you can attribute vision to in a way that's more manageable. You You can use goal setting by these means for any core pillar that you have in your life, how you're improving your relationships, your fitness and training goals, your hobbies, or even just maximizing the way that you detach from everything and have fun every once in a while. But it's important to really, and I mean mean really, think about your whys for doing anything. Because that's the process that's going to tell you exactly what it is that you need to be aiming at. Not everyone is going to be aiming at a C-level position. To a lot of people, that just seems like the most boring possible thing that they could think of doing. So that's what makes the why you want to do something crucial. Once you figure out that you can start to identify the highest possible what that creates the trajectory for you and always keeping that in your mind as a perspective in which you see most of the things that you do in your life. So what about the goals that this doesn't work for? In the beginning of this, I mentioned that your personal and visionary goals have a higher range of tolerance for what constitutes success. And that's due to the idea that success is an outcome for these goals that's subjectively defined, ultimately by you. If it really is up to you, if at the end of the day, you can say that you're happy with the outcome. So for any goal where there's a range of tolerance for success that you have, shoot towards the highest possible goal. It's always going to be better than the good enough approach. But what happens when that isn't the case? These are your functional goals. The goals that are the blocks that build the stairs that are going to progress you towards your personal and visionary goals. They're the things in your life where success is clearly defined and binary. Now that you know where you're going, you have to know, what am I doing right now? So, You take the context of your visionary goal and you apply it by thinking, what is the thing that I'm doing right now and how do I do it in the best possible way to get me to my higher goal? Let's go back to the example of our friend Jim in manufacturing. So now that he set his goal, what does he have to do to maximize how useful he is right now? Since he has a full understanding of how his position fits into the bigger picture strategically now, And also how his position above him 
fits into the bigger picture. Now he has to think about what he can do in his daily job that's going to maximize the value that he brings to his position and the value that he brings to every position above him as well. Notice that I keep using the word position, and that's an important thing to talk about. Your position, metaphorically, is simply the angle that groups of people differently perceive and provide value to the same object. That's an important thing to keep in mind as you navigate through your professional life. Nothing's ever a cog in a machine, but positions of differing value to something bigger. But functional goals, these are the real-world projections of your overarching goals. And we can shift this from a personal perspective to a business perspective pretty easily. Your, your visionary goals are the trajectories that the CEO and team are pointing the business at. And the functional goals are the tangible things that are done to reach that goal. Now, where they differ is... You can't overshoot these targets. They have to be well-defined, and the conditions for success and failure have to be clear. You have to win some of the battles to move the needle towards the ultimate goal of winning the war. See, these goals are tactical, and they need to be planned that way. This is where you begin to break down an idea further and further until you get to the point where you have a chain of tasks that you can deliver the results that you set out for. That's pretty easy to see from a business strategy perspective, but what about in your own immediate development? Well, once you have to break any strategy down so that you can start to see, and I mean, I mean, see literally, it's, it's really useful to start writing things down at this stage. So start to see its individual components and what needs to be done to successfully get you to the end of it. You can take that and say, all right, I'm confident in my abilities in these areas, and in these areas, I, I really have no clue what I'm doing. And now that you have, now that you have what you can't do defined, you're able to determine exactly what you need to learn. Now that you've got something to work on, you're setting yourself up for success for the initiative. Now that's a proactive way of looking at it, which should always be the first step that you take. But honestly, it's it's actually rare to come across, even though that is what should be the case. But you'll find yourself in the reactive realm of dealing with things quite often. So I think it's a good idea to interject a bit with how to effectively deal with this after the fact too. So when things go wrong, which is fine, there's a lot you can learn from failure. Oftentimes you learn more from failure because it forces you to take the thing that broke apart to figure out exactly what went wrong with it. Now it's unfortunate when failure happens, there's usually some degree of externalities that come along with that, but really it's really that's what makes it a powerful teacher. If there wasn't any external consequences from failure, we'd never put any effort into succeeding in the first place. A valuable tool that I've stolen from my colleagues in the HSE world or health safety and environment world is applying root cause analysis. HSE has to be one of the most prominent examples of incident management. Every other organization in the business has incidents to their own definitions, but when an incident happens in safety, the consequences are typically very severe. Because of the severity of those consequences, there's also an increased pressure on dealing with those failures. And root cause analysis is one of the most useful ways to do that. The reason why I love root cause analysis so much is that it's the equivalent of Socratic questioning for incident examination. You're taking an idea or in this case, an event, and you're breaking it down categorically 
and then asking why over and over again until you reach the root of what happened. And if I had to overly simplify something like root cause analysis, which has thousands upon thousands of pages of literature around it, I, I would simplify it exactly like that, asking why over and over and over again. Here's an example I've come across that I think illustrates it pretty well, and it's pretty funny, so it sticks for me. So here's the problem that was identified. The Washington Monument is deteriorating. Why? The use of harsh chemicals. Okay. Why did they have to use harsh chemicals on the Washington Monument? Well, we had to clean up after the pigeons that were pooping all over the place. Why were there pigeons? They like to hang around and eat all the spiders. Well, why on earth are there spiders? Because they're finding a whole bunch of gnats near the monument. Well, why are there gnats near the monument? They're attracted to the lights at dusk. Why are the lights on at dusk? They aren't needed until it's dark outside. Well, the lights don't change with the seasons. As unexpected as it may be that the Washington Monument is deteriorating because of its lights may be, isn't that the case with most of the problems and failures that we run into in life? It's never the obvious stuff that makes an impact because those things are addressed. They're obvious. It's the things that take focused attention to break down that pop up out of nowhere and do all kinds of damage. You probably notice a trend with some of the topics we've talked about. It usually revolves around breaking something down into its components that it's made of, dissecting out the important information from each of those components, and then reapplying that information to something completely dissimilar. But that really is the core principle of root cause analysis, and it's a concept that can be applied to almost every area in life, both professionally and personally. And it doesn't have to be used exclusively for managing when things went wrong. You can actually apply it preventatively as well and replace the incident or failure with something, something new that you're trying to learn or understand more fully. The next step in root cause analysis is to prescribe the solution to the failure. This is the most obvious step, but for some reason, this is the part that people just don't do time and time again. And it probably comes down to the fact that this step takes effort because you have to make a change to something. And in the world of change management, there's a concept called change impact, which I think that I think that Newton's physical laws of motion apply to it the best. People are adverse to change because it requires energy in order to change the direction of an object's trajectory. But you have to do it. Otherwise, you're going to be repeating the same cycle of fail and fix over and over again. This is a good way of how you reassess your functional goals properly. When, you're, when what you're doing isn't getting you closer to your personal and visionary goals, you have to break it down to its root causes and then prescribe the changes that need to be made and then do them. And it's going to happen pretty frequently too because a lot of what you're doing is a science. You're creating a hypothesis and then you're acting on it to examine the results. You make minor changes and then you try the experiment again. Those are the building blocks for applying your experiences to life properly, which you can check out my other episode. Uh, it's called Someone is Always Going to Be Older Than You. And it dies into that idea of experience, applying experience effectively a little bit deeper. But let's, uh, let's relate that to the first thing that we talked about today. What do you do when you have to reassess your personal and visionary goals? Or what if you don't even know how to go about setting those goals in the first place? 
because they're not always clear. It might be in something that it might be in something that you've already put a whole lot of thought into, like your career, but not always. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to get to a place in your career when you ask yourself, is this really what I want to do in my life? And that relates to the less tangible things in your life too, like what kind of person do I want to be? Or even like more difficult questions to ask yourself. Am I a good person? What's the meaning of the universe? Is it really the number 42? Let's stick to reassessment because how you want to live your life is really something that you need to put some deep thought into. I mentioned this briefly before when we were talking about functional goals and the root cause analysis, but it relates even better to visionary goals and it's Socratic questioning. Socrates was brilliant at examining the, the validity of ideas and positions by using questions that were used to pursue thought in many different directions. Even if your visionary goals aren't some kind of grand philosophical position, you can still use the Socratic method to help yourself think of a complex concept in a different way. I'll probably do an entire episode on the Socratic method in the future, so I'm not going to break it down uh, into, into in depth in today's episode, but Socratic questions are designed to explore an idea with questions that clarify your understanding, question the presuppositions, examine the evidence, look at different perspectives, and discover the implications and consequences, and ultimately ask questions about the questions themselves. That's something that's really valuable that's been almost lost in our culture, at least at a generational level. Majority of the consumers of online content read over article titles, and that's where the level of analysis stops. And then assumptions get made that are based on no substantial reasons. I'm sure you can think of recent events with with, where incoherent dialogue has been had between two sides, regardless of when you're listening to this. But if you really want to question the validity of the personal goals that you've set for yourself, using the Socratic method is really going to give you a good start. All right, so let's recap today's episode. First, we broke apart goal setting into two distinct types of goals, personal or visionary goals and functional goals. Then we talked about what happens if you set your targets too low and how to pick a better target. Then we moved into setting, measuring, and delivering functional goals. And finally, we, we talked about reorienting yourself after failure at both the functional and the personal levels. You hear a lot about setting goals in generic terms. And I think that it's because no one denies the importance of setting goals. But it seems to be the same cliches about goals being rehashed in different ways. So I hope that this served as a perspective that's a little bit deeper into what the implications of goal setting are, or at least thought-provoking enough for you to start thinking about it for yourself. All in all, I hope that you got some value from today's episode. And if there's similar topics that you want to hear more about, let me know. And I'll see you guys here next time on Proving Grounds.